Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and no one is with me today in the studio. It's just me, and we are going to talk about how I got saved and then how I got baptized. So before we go on any further, so I don't get yelled at my wife, I need to plug this podcast. And all I need to do is simply try to get you folks to go to our website. Now, there's a reason for that. You go to, like every website, www.biblethumperpodcast.com. You can find our YouTube channel and our Facebook page there. And do me a favor. It really does help. Go to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, hit that little bell icon. That will help us get these videos in front of more people. You can also like our Facebook page. So you can watch these videos live every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Those of you that are on right now, you can send us a message, ask a question. If you're friends with me and you have my phone number, you can call the show. I can answer calls and take calls on the show. On that uh, website, you'll also find links to our podcasts. You can listen to our podcast wherever you normally listen to a podcast, but you go to the website, it'll bring you right there. Spotify, Apple, Google Play. Please like, share, subscribe. Wherever you listen to your podcast, it will help get this podcast in front of other people. That's the whole plug. And I'm pretty sure on the website, there's a place that you can give us money. No one's doing that, but that's okay. It's there for when someone just gets struck by the Holy Spirit and and the Lord pushes you to take us on. We have a Patreon account. Pretty sure we have a PayPal account. You can just help us out that way. Anyway, to help keep the lights on and the podcast moving, you can always get involved that way. With all that said, what we are talking about this evening is really some of my story. Along with that, I have several podcasts I listen to. I listen to radio programs. I listen to podcasts of guys that are have already passed on to be with the Lord. I listen to podcasts of fellows that are still alive. And when I find a radio show that I like, when I find a podcast that I like, and I listen to it a lot, one thing that I've noticed is that I start to feel like I'm friends with the person I listen to. And that's a normal phenomenon because you spend so much time listening to this person. You feel like you're getting to know them. And one thing I always enjoyed was when the host would talk about their life personally, and you got a little glimpse into their life, you got to know them a little bit better. And obviously tonight, we're going to be talking about the Bible, and we're going to be talking about getting saved and getting baptized. And it's, you know, very applicable to the Bible Thumper podcast. And if it wasn't, that's fine. It's my podcast. I can talk about whatever I want. So tonight, what I'm going to do is for some of you, it might be a treat for others of you, you might turn this off and not want to hear about it. I just wanted to talk to you about my life from the time I was growing up at home in New Jersey as a little kid till the time when I got my first Bible handed to me to the time when I got the gospel kind of explained to me for the first time and when I ended up actually getting saved and then uh, getting baptized and just, you know, kind of everything I've learned along the way. So with that, let us jump right on in. So for those of you that don't know me, if this is the first podcast you're listening to, my name is Patrick Hayes, and I'm the pastor of an independent Baptist church in Grand Junction, Colorado. I've been a pastor of this church for three years. We started the church three years ago, and we did that in our home when COVID really started to take off and churches started to close their doors. We had several folks that were already meeting at our home once a week for a Bible study, and and these people, they went to different churches. They came to our house because their schedules were such where they didn't have Sundays off. They worked in the medical community. They worked in law enforcement. They worked in a variety of fields where their schedule was kind of fixed and they didn't really get to get Sundays off to go to church with their families that much. So they really enjoyed an evening 
Bible study throughout the week because they could get to it and it was a way that they could get together with Christians and, you know, hang out and study the Bible and, and, and have a good time. COVID kicks up. Churches start closing. And let me tell you, when I say churches start closing, I think a lot of us are familiar with what happened. And what happened was they just closed their doors. I don't feel good about that. My wife doesn't feel good about that. And God pushes us to start a church. So we do that. It's been going well. Uh, We were in our home for two years. We're now renting out a church building. A couple of things that are a little different about our church. Number one, we meet on Friday nights. And I know that is like bonkers crazy to a lot of Christians in America. And that's fine. I don't care. I've always been you know, a little different. I've definitely been a weirdo my whole life. And when I came to Jesus, then I became a weirdo for Jesus. And again, that's fine. I don't care that we do things different. It's in the name. We are an independent Baptist church. We don't care what you think. We're independent. So we meet on Friday nights. Just getting that out there so you can understand. We meet on Friday nights for a few reasons. One of the reasons is that the same people that were coming to our Bible study at first couldn't go to church on Sundays, and they really liked the idea of doing this on another night of the week, and we really enjoyed the idea of having our entire weekend to ourselves. So that's what we do. I grew up in northern New Jersey. I grew up in Passaic County, New Jersey, that borders New York State. Bergen County is the county directly below New York City. Passaic County is the next county over to the west. So we grew up kind of in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. The area was just, you know, a little bit kind of country and hilly enough to where it wasn't like flat and big cities like uh, most of New Jersey is. I grew up Roman Catholic. I am almost 100% Irish. My mom and dad are both Irish. uh, My grandparents from my mom's side were immigrants. My great-grandparents from my dad's side were immigrants. And being an Irish Catholic back east, it was, you know, it was pretty serious Catholicism. Went to a parochial school, went to the Catholic Mass every Sunday, grew up doing the sacraments, the whole thing. If you're not familiar with Catholicism, and basically if if you don't if you didn't grow up like in the in the northern parts of the Midwest, there's in in Michigan, Wisconsin, there are a lot of Catholics. On the East Coast, all over Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, I mean Catholics everywhere. If you're not from those places, and you don't know much about the Catholic Church, it is different. And understand, I need to be very clear, and this is just for folks that might not know, Catholicism is not Christianity. It is not Christianity in any way, shape, or form. I understand, to my regret, that Catholic priests are interviewed all the time when so-and-so wants to get someone on their radio show or news program or, or something to give them a Christian perspective. The Catholic Church is not Christian. They do not abide by the Bible. They do not do what the Bible says. Uh, they absolutely do what the Pope says above what the Bible says every single time. Do not think of them as Christian. Uh, growing up in Catholic Church, I never touched a Bible. I did not touch a Bible for the first time till I was 21 years old. That's how Christian Catholicism is. They also uh, teach in Latin, which is great because what child doesn't love going to sit in a 200-year-old building on hard wooden pews to listen to a dead language from a guy in a dress? Who doesn't love that? Why wouldn't we all want to go do that every Sunday? The Catholic Mass, in it's still in several places taught in Latin. It's insane. The most unfriendly church to children you have ever seen in your life. And all I remember learning was sit down and shut up and we'll be going home pretty soon. Okay. 
So I grew up Catholic, never touched the Bible. Uh, I never once remember getting together as a family and praying for anything. Uh, Never read the Bible with my parents. Never, you know, did. It just was not in any way Christian. For those of you that don't know. Now, I should also tell you, I have a bias, a strong bias towards the Catholic Church. I hate the Catholic Church more than I hate communism. I have read more about the Catholic Church and its history. I have studied more of the Catholic Church's doctrine. And let me tell you, there is no group that hates Christianity more than the Catholic Church. I hate the Catholic Church. And I love the Catholic people. In my church, we have several folks who are Catholic who come to our church every Friday and they still go to their Catholic church on Sundays. And I love them all and I pray for them all. I have been blessed to lead some to Christ. They have gotten saved, they have gotten baptized, they have joined our church. It's been amazing. I have others that are not there yet, and I am just patiently waiting and praying for the opportunity to see them saved and get them baptized. And I am thrilled that they come to our church, they learn the Bible, they fellowship with us, but I want you to understand that as I go on. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to like sneak up on you with some weird belief. I'm happy to tell you what I believe. And I'm happy to defend those beliefs with the Bible. And that goes for my views of certain groups. So with that being said, grew up Catholic. I was about 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there, right in the beginning of high school. So I think that's like 13, maybe 14 freshman year of high school and I was in a parochial school so I'm going to a Catholic school got to be clean shaven got to wear a shirt and tie the whole deal we have a comparative religions class so the first year you you do a religious class all four years one of those years your freshman year it's kind of a intro to religions obviously they certainly leaned on one religion pretty hard but they taught you about a bunch of different religions and for me I was an atheist I did not believe in God. I did not see God anywhere. It made no sense to me. And for years and years and years, as a child, I asked questions and I never got an answer given to me in the Catholic Church. Not one time, not from my parents, not from the priests, not from the nuns, not from anyone involved in the Catholic Church. Never did I get questions that made any sense. Nobody in any Catholic church that I have ever been in in my entire life knows the Bible and can use it to answer your questions, to bring you comfort. It it just, maybe that's someone else's experience. I doubt it, but it was not mine. So I was an atheist. And to be honest with you, uh, I didn't really enjoy anything that I was taught. I wasn't interested in, you know, kind of that lifestyle. You know, in high school, uh, I was interested in girls. I was interested in sports. And then I became really interested in alcohol and drugs. So for me, sometime, I don't know, it was freshman or sophomore year, I start drinking, doing drugs, and boy, I really take off. So I'm the guy who, I mean, within a couple months, I am drinking and doing drugs every day. I am driving drunk. I got my first DUI three months, four months after I got my driver's license. I got arrested several times, underage possession, you know, variety of different things. I got fired from jobs all over the place. I couldn't keep a job because I was selling drugs in order to keep up my habit. I was driving into New York City and coming out with massive black plastic garbage bags full of marijuana to sell, you know, selling LSD, whatever I could. It got so much worse than that. I was burglarizing houses. I was breaking into cars and stealing anything that wasn't nailed down or on fire that I could sell in order to keep up my habit. It was really bad. I just have that personality. 
where if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. Okay. I am not going to just kind of piddle around with it. I'm going to jump in head first and swim and I'm going to be the best at it. So I was the best drunk and the best drug addict in two different high schools in Northern New Jersey. So I get expelled from one high school. I go to another one and, uh, and keep in mind, this is, I'm still only 17 years old. And my parents finally get to a point where they're like, okay, we packed your bags for you. You're not allowed to be here anymore. You know, good luck to you, or we'll take you to rehab right now. Uh, I go to rehab. I, uh, it was run by a guy that was, that I am indebted to, uh, him and this other lady that worked there. They did a great job. They helped me to really see that I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. I had problems and I needed help and I did what they said. I got better and they pointed me to 12 step recovery outside of rehab. So they said, look, you know, you have to get additional support otherwise you're not going to make it so i go to my first narcotics anonymous meeting and i'm stressed out because i have pending charges for dui and some other things and you know um i can't keep a job and i owe money and i mean my life was just a wreck and it was a small meeting so i got to share and a couple of the guys were like man you need to pray about that buddy you got to give that stuff over to god you're hanging on to that that's too heavy you need to give that to god and let it go all of which was correct but keep in mind they they might as well have been talking chinese i had no idea how to do any of those things and the idea of talking to god god who i didn't even believe in god so for me i said well i don't even believe in god so how does that work with praying and they said well you don't need to believe in god for him to hear your prayers and I thought, man, that's that makes sense. If God's real, I don't have to believe in him. Him hearing my prayers is not predicated on my belief in him. If he is God, he can hear my prayers, whether I think he's real or not. So I went home and I prayed. And I did it again, and I did it again, and I felt better every time I got up from praying. And I thought, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with this. I'm gonna keep doing this. So for me, I was now monotheistic. I believed in God. I had no idea who he was, but I believed that there was one God and that God was personal to me. He wanted my life to be better. He wanted to know Patrick Hayes and he wanted Patrick Hayes Hayes to know him. And he wanted to help me with my struggles. He helped me with drug addiction. He helped me with alcoholism. He helped me with many things. I go off to college, um, in college for a couple years, and I find out because of my drug addiction and criminal history, I cannot get a job that I want, which was in federal law enforcement. I went to school for criminal justice, psychology, and sociology. I drop out. I do not get a, a degree. I'm, I'm up there for two years, and then I drop out, and I end up moving out to Yosemite National Park. And this was a summer job. I went there with a couple of friends. And the idea was you go to Yosemite National Park as a college kid in between years, you know, in the summer. And they pay you peanuts, but you, they give you room and board and you live in this beautiful, the most beautiful spot on earth. And you have a menial job and it's fun. You know, you get to do a lot of hiking and fun things and it, it was great it was a great experience while i was out there i meet this fella matt now matt came out there from illinois he was at a school some college in illinois i thought it was illinois state university or southern illinois state university i don't remember he came out there with campus crusade for christ him and his girlfriend with the idea that they were going to start some bible studies and they were going to help all these college kids come to jesus wonderful so on the drive out there i guess matt's girlfriend dumps him and ends up dating this other guy in campus crusade for christ i remember his name it was charlie because matt complained about this guy a lot he was very hurt you know his girlfriend dumped him he kind of figured that she was maybe 
dating this guy before they broke up or she was sweet on him because they got together you know so quick after it so anyway um this has nothing to do with my story it's just it was funny so matt does not really do much for jesus okay he he was a nice guy he goes out there and he had his heart broken so he kind of spends the summer licking his wounds he doesn't really do much in the way of starting bible studies or helping anyone or bringing anyone to jesus his girlfriend did and so did this fella charlie uh you know they were doing the campus crusade for christ thing and helping people but matt doesn't what matt does is he gives one guy a bible he gave me a bible it was a pocket-sized new testament and i said thank you very much i said i had never read the bible i was always curious as to what's in the thing so i was excited to read it so i started reading the bible this was at the end of the summer so matt takes off he goes back to college i'm still there for a while and i'm reading through this new testament and every time i do what it says my life gets better so you're reading through the book of matthew you get to the beatitudes real quick you get to the sermon on the mount you hear jesus talking about how you have to love your neighbor but more than that you got to love your enemy and he's going on with these very hard things but every time i read through it i'm like you know what boy if everyone did what this guy said the world would be a better place and my life is getting better and better and i'm seeing god do these things in my life and i'm just really impressed and i'm really enjoying it so i have a period of time where i kind of i'm what i'm gonna i i had this plan okay so the plan was to ultimately end up back in new jersey i was going to work for a little bit and save up some money and then i was going to take off and kind of oh i'll say see the country you know i just before i had to grow up and get a job because keep in mind i'm only 20 21 i did not want to because i missed out on a couple years of college and i really didn't know what i wanted to do yet i wanted to kind of just i don't know take a year off and backpack through europe kind of thing except here in the states i wanted to see some national parks i wanted to see the country i wanted to have a little bit of fun i did not want to settle down and get a grown-up job and start my life so that was the plan so between yosemite national park and getting back to new jersey where i was going to start that plan I ended up hitchhiking around a little bit, taking some buses, taking some trains, seeing some different things. And I wanted to stop in Illinois and find this fellow, Matt, and thank him for the Bible and kind of catch up with him because he was the only Christian I knew and I had a lot of questions. I end up there a couple months later and he brings me to this uh, weekend retreat for workers for campus crusade for christ so all of these kids they know the bible they grew up reading the bible they grew up in a christian home and they are so much christians that when they go to college their desire is to get involved with a bible study jesus oriented ministry that helps lost kids come to christ i was the only person at this weekend retreat that was not saved so i go there and i'm learning a lot i'm asking a lot of questions and the funny thing is the weekend was centered around teaching these kids how to give the gospel to their friends that they're going to meet at college who are lost so i'm hearing it and i'm hearing the gospel but not really directed at me but you know taught to them and the guy that they brought in to do this you know kind of weekend thing he was very good and he was you know he was very by the book and he, he's you know you got to understand that you're a sinner if you if you're if you don't understand that you're a sinner and that it's a hopeless state and you're going to hell then what does anyone need the gospel for it's pointless i mean he he, he really did a good job and uh, he explained how we can't get there on our own. We can't be good enough. You know, we can't trust in the church we're a member of or any of these things. We have to put our faith in Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he did the work. Jesus paid the price for our sins. We can't do it. He can. He did it. We have to trust in him. We have to put our faith in Jesus. You know, and they were 
there was a slideshow and there were pictures and everything. And it was very helpful for a guy that had no idea how to get saved. It was very, very helpful. So I made a friend that weekend, you know, just in these different small groups and whatever. And I, I said to my friend, I said, Hey, uh, I get it now. Like what you were explaining to me about Jesus and how Jesus is the only way to get saved and we can't do it ourselves. Now I get it. He explained it. He answered some questions. I totally get it. I understand, you know, Jesus is God. It makes sense to me. They said, oh, that's great. Come on up and tell the preacher. He'll be happy to hear that. I said, okay, great. We walk up after he's done giving a little speech or whatever. And, and I explained to him just what I said, you know, Hey, um, that's the first time I really ever heard that. And, and I understand it. And, and that's very clear to me. Thank you for doing that. You know, it helped answer a lot of questions. And he said, that's wonderful. He said, you're saved. And I said, Oh, okay. Well, that sounds, that sounds great. Now, spoiler alert, I was not saved. I had an intellectual knowledge. That's it. I can have an intellectual knowledge about George Washington. That doesn't mean I know George Washington. It doesn't mean I've had a conversation with George Washington. It certainly doesn't mean that I've placed my faith in George Washington and what he's done. But I was told I was saved, which sounded good. So now I leave there and over the course of, I'm going to say the next year and a half, I started to get real serious about the Bible. So I ended up going to churches wherever I went, visiting churches, reading the Bible, just trying to learn more. And for me, uh, we're going to fast forward a little bit. I end up coming to Grand Junction, Colorado, which is where I live now. And I had several wonderful experiences over the course of a year and a half where I trusted in God and I saw God guiding and directing. I saw God keeping me away from bad things and helping me to do the right thing. And I come to Grand Junction and this thing about Jesus, I know it's going to be a big part of my life. I know that I want the church and the Bible and church and Christianity and Jesus and God to be a big part of my life. So I say, I got to go to church. So for me, I end up going to the closest church to my house which was a church of Christ. Now, for those of you that maybe go to the church of Christ, the church of Christ has one big problem. And that is that they believe in baptismal regeneration. They believe that baptism is part of salvation. Don't tell the thief on the cross that. So I go there. And the assistant pastor, who is a very nice man, who I am still friends with to this day. I love him and his wife and his kids. They're wonderful people. He invites me over to his house for lunch. I go there. I meet his wife. I meet his kids. They're all very nice. I tell him a little bit about myself, and I start going to that church. It was an old-fashioned church, which I definitely felt more comfortable with. I don't know why. Maybe it was because I was raised Catholic. But I was it the the big showy rock band smoke machine lasers kind of church didn't make sense to me. And keep in mind I had no I had nothing to compare it to. But I just felt comfortable there. So I went there for a little while and this old fella took a shine to me and kind of took me under his wing and he was in my Sunday school class and and he's like, Hey, would you want to get together and study the Bible? you know, um, I wanted to, you know, go through something with you. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. That'd be fine. I said, I'd love to study the Bible more. Very nice old man. And he wanted to take me through a Bible study on baptism because remember 
in the church of Christ, baptism is a part of salvation. So obviously it's very important we get everyone baptized. So I meet with this guy and we meet like three times to go over this little Bible study and we're, we're I'm ba- it's a Bible study on baptism. And at the end, you know, so we go over Jesus got baptized and Paul talks about it and we see baptism happen a dozen times in the book of Acts. And at the end of it, he's like, would you like to get baptized? And I said, well, sure. Jesus said to do it. Jesus got baptized. Sounds great to me. Let's do it. Now, for those of you that maybe are a little bit new to Christianity or the Bible, you get baptized after you get saved. Once you receive Jesus as your savior, once you put your faith in him and him alone as your savior, then your first act as a Christian is to get baptized. I was not saved. I was told I was saved. I still didn't have a real good idea as to what that meant. So I said, sure. So the next Sunday I get baptized. It was nice. They, they baptized by immersion. Boom dunk you in the water I said that's great and uh and i'm on my way i only ended up going to that church for maybe another month i didn't feel like that was where i was supposed to be so i start looking for churches now i should i'm, I'm gonna throw this in there just because you know this is getting a no patrick time i finished my pocket-sized new testament This pocket-sized New Testament was an NIV, New International Version. I finished that, and I thought to myself, you know what? I want to get the whole thing. I want to get the Old Testament and the New Testament, the whole thing together, one of the big ones, because I want to read the Old Testament now. So I didn't know where to buy a Bible, and we're talking about a time when the Internet's not really even a serious thing, and Amazon.com and buying books online wasn't a thing. So what I do? I went to a bookstore, and I found that there are Christian bookstores. So I walked into this Christian bookstore, and there was this young girl behind the counter, looked to be, I don't know, young college age, and I went up to the counter. I said, hello, I would like to buy a Bible. Now, I expected her to reach under the counter and bring out and set on the counter a black leather book with a red ribbon in it. Why? Probably because that's what I'd seen on TV. That's what made sense to me. That's what a Bible is. She didn't do that. She took me by the hand and walked me around the counter over to the side of the store to this wall of books. And she said, well, here is the NASB and here is the ESV and this one's the NIV and you have some that have study notes and you have, and I was letting her talk because I didn't know what I was doing. And at the end of it, I said, okay, okay, hold on. Please forgive me. But I just wanted to get a Bible. I seriously thought there was one book. And she says, well, they're all the Bible. And I said, no, no, they're not. And she looks at me confused. I said, okay, let me ask you this. You said there are all these different types. I said, are they different? She said, yeah. I said, okay, well, which one's the Bible? And she said, they all are. And I said, no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works with any book. Don't tell me that the Bible is any different. One of them's the Bible. The rest are not. I went home without a book that day. I ended up starting to do research. This was the time when I still had to go to the library to get on a computer to get on the internet. So I started doing research on Bible versions. And what you find out very quickly is that there are two camps. There is one camp that's just fine with everything. Now, they might nitpick about this or that, but basically they're not going to tell you not to use any of the versions. And then there's one group that says there is only one, and that is the King James Bible. The other thing I learned really quickly is that 
this one group that was okay with everything really did not like the other group that was only okay with the King James Bible. So that made me interested. I wanted to know more about these King James only people. Then I found out that the Catholic Church hates the King James Bible. And I said, well, that about settles the argument for me, but I'll keep doing my research. I ended up buying every book that I could find that had to do with Bible versions. I read them all. I learned about the history. I learned about the translation process. I learned about the translators. I learned about the newer versions and the groups that owned the rights to these Bibles and owned the copyrights and the other books that they produced. And I went through all of this and literally every single fact that I learned kept pointing me to the King James Bible. I own a King James Bible. My church uses the King James Bible. My church has it written in its charter that we will never use anything but the King James Bible. This is not a lecture on Bible versions, but I wanted you to know where I'm coming from because, again, I'm not trying to hide stuff. I'm fine with telling you exactly what I believe, and I'm happy to defend it. I'm happy to defend it publicly. So I got myself a King James Bible. In my research, I learned about a lot of guys that I really liked. And I started to see that a bunch of these guys that took the Bible really seriously, they also took this idea of personal evangelism real seriously. The idea that it was our job to bring the gospel to other people. That was our job. Jesus told us to do it. It's our job to do it. I started reading those books. So now I have several guys that I like, that I'm learning from. I'm reading their books. I'm watching their videos. I start ordering up a bunch of Bible tracks and giving out Bible tracks. I start going out on the streets on a Friday night, Saturday night, and doing some street preaching. I start bringing people to church whenever I can. I mean, I'm excited for Jesus. So I end up working for this fella, and he was a Christian, but he was kind of a little bit falling away. He wasn't, you know, real serious about it, but he wanted to be. And he went to Bible college when he was younger. And he used to, he came from a real serious Christian home and he did love Jesus, but he just had been away from it for so long that, you know, he, he really wasn't taking it seriously. And, and I started working for him and he saw that I was taking it real seriously. And he wanted, uh, me to, he was encouraging me to take my faith seriously and find a good church and keep going. So he and I talk a whole bunch and we end up doing this job or we go over and we give this bid to this fella who's the pastor of an independent Baptist church here in Grand Junction. And we're talking and he's talking with the pastor for a while. And when we leave, he tells me, he says, Patrick, he says, you need to go to that church. He says, everything that I've learned about you, you know, over these months of working with you, you will feel comfortable at that church. That's the kind of place that you want to be. So I start going to that church and the pastor, who was a serious soul winning kind of guy, he wanted to see people saved. He asked me about my testimony and keep in mind, I'd been in church for years now. I had been serious about church. I invite people to church. I give people the gospel. I led several people to the Lord. I know enough Christianese to explain that I'm saved. And he says, great. And he asked me about my baptism. So here we get into the topic of baptism. So number one, when I was two weeks old, and I was a little bitty baby in the Catholic church, they got me wet. 
that was not baptism. What is the prerequisite for baptism? It is salvation. You must be saved before you can be baptized. When I went to the Church of Christ, they dunked me under the water, but I was not baptized. I wasn't saved. He said, well, that's wonderful. He said, but to be a part of this church, if you want to be a member of this church, he said, we need to baptize you. Now, he believed I was saved because he asked me questions and I had very good answers for those questions. But as far as baptism went, he said, no, see, we're not going to accept a church of Christ baptism. He says, baptism is important. And it not only is you being obedient to God, but it also identifies you with a group. And we see this in the Bible. We see that Jesus was specific about who baptized him. He was not okay with anyone baptizing him, except for one fella, John the Baptist. So he said, Patrick, you got baptized by the Church of Christ. He says, we don't believe what they believe, and we don't accept their baptism. And I said, okay, I understand. I said, well, then let's get, let's get baptized. Because his church was a King James-only church. They were serious about personal evangelism. They were serious about obeying the Bible and having lines of separation. I said, let's do it. So I go and I get baptized. So at this point in my life, I am... 22, 23 years old. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not chasing girls. I'm not partying. I'm not getting in trouble. I'm not getting into fights. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I work and I'm excited about God and I like going to church. So I help out in every way that I can. I help out in the office. I help out teaching a kid's Sunday school class. I mean, I just get involved. And my pastor asked me, he says, hey, you know, you're real excited about church. Would you have any desire to go to Bible college and, you know, get into the ministry? And I said, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I don't want to go to Bible college because I'm already 23 years old. And the Bible colleges you're talking about, all these kids, they go there, you know, straight from uh, high school. And I said, I don't think I want to go back to college. Besides, you know, I've got a job that I like and yeah i just i don't see myself doing it you know he says hey that's fine what we're going to do is we're going to do it the old-fashioned way i'm going to teach you i'm going to train you and uh you'll we'll just kind of go through the process on our own um and you can be ordained by our church and uh you know you can you can work in the ministry so i get going I get a class B license and a passenger endorsement. And I start driving a church bus. We start driving around and picking up kids and bringing them to church. I teach a Sunday school class. <clears throat> I end up helping out in a million different ways. I sing in the choir. I mean, I'm just involved in church and everybody in the church that was there got to know me and, you know, liked me I was a pretty personable guy and I was bringing a lot of people to church, inviting a lot of people to church, seeing people saved and getting them baptized. And, you know, so I was the most active guy in the church. So now what happens is God starts putting this pressure on me and God starts making me real, real uncomfortable. And I just started having all these doubts about my salvation. And there's this one preacher that was a guest preacher. He, he used to be a pastor. He, he then became an evangelist when he retired from pastoring in, in his older age. And he would travel around the country and preach. And uh, he also authored several books. And he was very serious about salvation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this to you and I'm, I am just as serious about this. I think it's important, and I think too many people uh, skip over it. So when you go to John chapter 3, 
and Jesus is questioned about, you know, being the Messiah and getting saved and going to heaven, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's where the phrase comes from. You ever hear that term? You know, Christians, there are those crazy wackadoo ones who think you have to be born again. Well, that's what I am. I'm born again. And what was explained to this fellow, that this fellow was a, he was knowledgeable in, in the law of Moses and the prophets. And he came to Jesus and asked, and Jesus explained about being born again. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, I got to crawl back up into my mom and be born. What do you, what do you mean? Has, has someone be born a second time? And Jesus says, no, no, no. You were born once of the flesh. You need to be born of the spirit. You have to become part of God's family. And here's the idea. When Jesus compares salvation in an analogy, he compares it to a one-time irreversible event. He didn't compare it to a process. It's an event. You become born. You are born physically. There is a date when you are born there is a time when you are born there is a place that it happens and you know how it happens you were inside your mom and you came out you can bring me to a place in the world and you can say patrick right there in that building in that hospital that's where i was born well when were you born well on my birthday you know on this month on this day of this year it was in the afternoon sometime that's when i was born In the same way, we need to know when we were born again. Now, if you don't know the exact date, that's fine. But you need to know about the event. You need to know where you were and how it happened and when it was. Now, I can't tell you when I was saved. I'm almost positive it was a Tuesday night. It was an off night. I was working at church and I was doing some kind of remodeling and I was looking for a tool and I walked in a back room. I was all by myself. And the Holy Spirit hit me like a wall that I walked into. I just um, just froze. And the Holy Spirit of God said, Patrick, you are going to die and you are going to go to hell. And God had been, God had been tormenting me with these verses. I was reading through Matthew, and in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21, we read, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. These are some of the scariest words in the entire Bible. Because when you read through those three verses, do a little study on it. One thing we see is that there are people that said, Lord, Lord. They, in their defense said lord we prophesied in thy name that means that they actually taught the bible sunday school teachers nursery workers pastors and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works see these are folks that thought they were saved these aren't just pretty good people that live in the world. These are people who knew who Jesus is. They recognized Jesus in these verses. They knew who he was. And they said, Lord, how can we not be granted entry? Don't you know who we are and what we've done? Folks, this is talking about people who thought their whole life that they were a Christian they went to church. You don't think this is talking about people in church? This is not talking about people in the world. 
This is talking about people in church who teach the Bible, who work for God, who know who Jesus is, but they did not have faith in Jesus. There was not a time when they were born again. Jesus says, I am a door. Jesus is the door. Going through a door isn't a process. It doesn't take years. There is a threshold. You are on one side of the door and you are lost. You step through that door to the other side and you are saved. You are born again. You are inside your mother's womb and you come out. It's not a process. It's an event. You cross a threshold. You become born again. You become saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is when you get saved. I knew that I never did that. I did not have a time where I had an experience with Jesus where I talked to him The Bible says again, let's just go there. Let's just read it in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You have to believe in your heart that Jesus is God. And he died on the cross and he rose again from the dead and that paid the penalty for your sin. And we confess with our mouth. See, the reason it talks about confession and belief is because people will confess with their mouth what they don't believe. It's called being a liar. And what God is trying to explain to us is it's not what you say, it's what you believe See, people will get saved saying several different things. When I read about the the thief on the cross, he expressed that Jesus was God, that he deserved to be there for his sins, and he asked Jesus to save him. He had his faith in Jesus. And those words that the thief on the cross said are very different from the words that other people in the book of Acts said. They're different from the words that Patrick Hayes said that night in Landmark Baptist Church on Unaweep Avenue in Grand Junction, Colorado, when I was like, I don't know, 23 or 24 years old, the Holy Spirit of God said, Patrick, you are not saved. You are going to die and burn in hell. And I said, God, you are right. And I said, let me take care of it right now. I got down on my knees. I said, very simply, God, forget everything I've ever said in the past. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that he died on the cross to save me from my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to hell when I die. I don't want to go to hell. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins right now and save me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. That was it. I called on Jesus for salvation. I believed who he is and what he did. That was it. I put my faith in Jesus. I didn't believe in anything else. I believed simply in that one event. Him on the cross, me on my knees. That was it. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. I got down on my knees. I called on Jesus for salvation, and I stood up a new man. Boom, I'm saved. I have never doubted my salvation since that day been about 20 years a little more so anyway i go on with my day i'm excited good you know got that taken care of didn't really tell anyone about it honestly i you know didn't really think about it much a couple weeks later it hit me you know what if i just got saved right then i need to get baptized See, that's what the Bible said. Jesus, right before he takes off to ascend into heaven, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So Jesus said, you need to go therefore and teach all nations. Well, what do we teach them? Well, we teach them the gospel. Obviously, Jesus didn't want us to teach them how to make cookies. He wanted us to teach them about who he is, that Messiah has come. He died on the cross as the Passover lamb to pay for all the sins of all mankind forever. And that if we will go to him and put our faith in him and what he did on the cross, we can be saved from hell. That's what he wants us to teach people, that he wants the gospel to go forward. Oh, what's that next thing? Teach all nations, baptizing them, who? The folks that just received the gospel. If they believe that Jesus is God, if they know that they're a sinner on their way to hell, if they want to go to heaven, if they want that free gift of salvation, they can call on Jesus. Romans ten thirteen. for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We can put our faith in Jesus and we can be saved. Well, what do we do to those people? We baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Okay, well, if you notice, there are three things here and they're in order. Friend, don't think that God just randomly throws things down on a page. He puts them in order. The last thing is teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you. Okay. So the last thing is we are supposed to teach them the entirety of the word of God. Now, obviously, that takes a minute. Getting saved after we understand, after we learn, after we've been taught the gospel it takes seconds to be saved. Put our faith in Jesus. Baptism, seconds. Once we're in the water, boop, we get dunked in the water. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We're done. Learning everything about the Bible, well, that takes the rest of our life. But it's in order. And anything I did pertaining to water, prior to salvation was not baptism baptism is second after salvation so i called my pastor i said hey i uh i need to get baptized he said what i said i need to get baptized because i got saved a little while ago i think it might have been a couple months And he said, really? I said, yep. I said, uh, and I told him, I said, you know, this preaching that I heard and the Bible, you know, verses that I, and God put pressure on me and it was clear as day. I was not saved. And, uh, and he said, okay, that's, uh, that's going to turn some heads. You got to understand before I was actually baptized, which for the first time. I was ordained. I'd been working at that church, driving a bus, teaching a Sunday school class, doing everything at that church. I was in a position of leadership. When I got to that church, there was, you know, 50 people there. I mean, it was, it was smaller and I I was there to help out and I was getting involved and I was helping the church grow and as part of the music program, sang in the choir, you know, I mean, I was involved And over the course of time, um, my pastor wanted me to get ordained. He wanted me to marry people and bury people. He wanted me to go and fill in the pulpit for people. And, And we had an ordination service. And then shortly after that is when I knew I needed to get baptized. And to be honest with you, I don't remember the dates and and forgive me, it's just 20 years ago and I'm, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be. I don't remember if I got saved before I was ordained or afterward. I honestly have no idea. And, uh, he said, Hey, you know what? That's great. You got saved. Good for you. Let's get you baptized. That's wonderful. He said, now you're going to turn some heads when you walk out into that water. And I said, yeah, I know. So I got baptized, 
and then they had a meeting with the deacons and they said, okay, well, here's the deal. Um, you know, we might've ordained a guy that wasn't saved. Uh, and then he got saved and then he got baptized, uh, which is a little bit of a different order than we're used to. And they said, yeah, you know, but, uh, we also know Patrick and we know what he believes, you know, and nothing changed. And we still have just as much faith in him going forth, uh, in the ministry, you know, and preaching the gospel as we did before. So we all vote to change nothing. Um, you know, we're just happy, uh, for what happened. So that was my story, which brought me to the point of getting baptized for the first time for real. I'd gotten in the water many times in many churches, got wet, but getting wet isn't getting baptized. You're not getting baptized until you've been saved. And there are a lot of Christians out there. One of my very best friends called me on the phone a couple months ago and we were talking about it and I shared this story with him and he said man he said you think I'm saved and I said look man I don't know and I'll tell you what happens there are lots of times when people grow up in church and they feel some type of pressure to do something be a part of some type of ceremony or what have you And they're not sure if they believed it at the time. But they're also embarrassed to speak up and do anything about it. And as they get older, it becomes even harder. And they don't want to speak up. And it might be a little embarrassing for them to step forward and say, hey, you know what? I'm not 100% sure that I'm saved. And I don't want to gamble with heaven. So I want to call on Jesus right now. And I'd like to get baptized especially when they're already married, especially when they have some kids. Friends, you cannot gamble with heaven. You must get it settled. Don't be embarrassed. The people in your life who are real Christians are going to want to celebrate with you. Get saved. And then ask your preacher, say, hey, I just got saved. I need to get baptized. Everyone will be glad. I have seen deacons get saved and then baptized. I have seen the church pianist get saved and then baptized. If you hang around long enough in churches, you're going to see pastors, assistant pastors. You're going to see all kinds of people get saved and get baptized. Because the Holy Spirit of God put pressure on them and showed them, look, you've never done it yet. You have not had a time that you can point to where you can say, that is the day I was saved. I know where I was. I know what happened. You cannot say, I was born again. Too many people think Jesus is a tunnel. And it's a process over a long period of time. Jesus says, I am the door you are on one side of the door and you are lost you cross a threshold and you are on the other side of the door and you are born again get saved before it is too late you do not want to hear the words spoken by matthew in matthew chapter 7 verses 21 22 and 23 depart from me ye who work iniquity i knew ye not the scariest words in the bible get it settled. I talked to my friend over the phone and I said, look, man, it's, it's too big of a deal to mess around with. I said, get it settled. You don't have to do it with me over the phone, but you got to do it. He did. He ended up him and God got alone, prayed, got saved. And the last thing he told me, I need to check up on him. But the last thing he said was that he was going to talk to his pastor and he was going to get baptized. I said, good for you. Friends, we've been going for just over an hour. We're going to call that a success. I hope that uh, little you know story of mine, uh, that little glimpse into my life was an encouragement to somebody in some way. I can tell you it's not the typical way we see people 
get saved and get baptized. A lot of people, they grow up in a Christian home. They hear the gospel. At some point, they're curious about heaven and hell, and they get saved as a kid, and they get baptized, and and off they go. And that's great. It's it's That's how my kids had it happen, all six. I have six kids baptized, the last one uh, just this month, actually. And, uh, you know, all had questions about heaven and hell, took the Bible, went over it with them. They got saved. They got saved when they were young. Um, a couple of them, when they got older, many years later, they're like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not a hundred percent sure that that took, I said, Hey, that's fine. Let's be sure. Let's do it again. Okay. Went over it, did it again, got them baptized. It's fine. It's exciting for everyone. We're all proud of you, but don't, put it off. Make sure that you get that settled. And let me tell you something. If you have struggled for a long time and you are wondering why it doesn't feel like the way it looks to be in the Bible when you read through the Bible of real Christians and salvation, it might be because you never really got saved or you got saved and then you never got baptized because you were dragging your feet. And then because of that, you've been struggling to learn the Bible and you've been struggling to get close to God. And God's saying, look, you're trying to do step three. You're supposed to do step one and two first. Get those taken care of. Folks, I do appreciate you. I'm glad that you uh, got on here and hung out just a little bit. Uh, Karen, thank you for the comment. She said, once you're dead, there's no do-over. You don't get another chance. And, And that's the truth. You want to make sure uh, when when the Lord puts pressure on you, respond. Folks, I appreciate you giving me your ear for this time. Check back with us next Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. I'm sure I'll have a guest on here. Um, go to BibleThumperPodcast.com. Get on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page. Please like, subscribe, share, friend whatever you can do on the social media, and then get on a podcast platform. Download some of these, share them, like them, rate them, review them, and pass them around to other people. It will help us out a lot. We really do need the help. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next week.